Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors might provide that roadmap for your journey. On most Thursdays, I am blessed to be talking with mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. Normally on the first Thursday of the month, it's Alan Fox. On the second Thursday, which is today, it's Coach Chuck Greasy. On the rest of the month, it could be Dr. John Murray, uh, Coach Scott Williams, Energy Coach Linda LeClaire, uh, Dr. Bryce Young, uh, Coach Ashley Hobson, Davis Cup Coach, uh, Nick Saviano. We've been blessed to have on in the last three and a half years many college coaches and high school coaches. We've also been blessed to have USTA officials, PTR and USPTA executive directors, and Florida tennis founder and editor Jim Martz. Of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio and the Yellow Ball Network is you can listen anytime you want to choose the broadcast you want. On Wednesday, Chuck Reese American Tennis is on. And now on Sunday, we have Coach's Corner with Randy Blumendahl. I would like to thank the Yellow Ball CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting our network. And if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, you are missing out on useful information. Because I do believe Dr. King when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each Thursday I will add my personal views on North American tennis. And naturally, you will hear my biased views. Yes, I am biased. I believe like everybody else, although some people claim they don't have any biases. I admit I do. But you'll hear my view that the tennis journey should be going through the high schools and colleges. Who knows? Together we may wake up that sleeping giant called high school tennis. Besides our weekly conversation, the almighty willing, you will be able to continue reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine. And as I previously expressed, if you disagree, please email me at coachdenise.fhstca.net. That's coachdenise.fhstca.net. Who knows, you may read your views in Florida tennis or hear them on one of our Coach Denise and Tennis Blessings broadcasts. It would not be the first time. Remember, too, if someone has taken the last issue of Florida tennis from your pro shop, you can always see the last issue of the magazine by going to www.floridatennis.com. Or in between issues, there's always something going on. And uh, you can also uh, find Jim Martz and my articles as well as other information on Facebook at FL Tennis, FL Tennis. I see uh, our mentor on today. I hope I don't throw a, a monkey wrench into things because we might change the topic. I was hoping we were going to discuss high school tennis, but uh, after hearing my commentary, he might change his mind. I don't know. But I'm sure when you're talking to uh, wit coach, uh, Creasy, and, uh, you know, there's so many articles in Coaching Tennis Magazine that we could talk about. But um, let's see where this takes us. Who knows? Coach, are you there? Coach? John, I had you on mute, so you couldn't hear uh, all the uh-huh. back. I got I'm, uh, got got the dog right here, and uh, <laughs> uh, we just escaped uh, Charleston and that hurricane they had there. Um, uh, I know. You know, it, you don't know how bad it's going to be. That, you never do. 
And I, I swore, you know, I grew up in Indiana with tornadoes and stuff, but my golly, I don't I only went through that Matthew a little bit. It wasn't even that bad when it hit Charleston. It was like a two. Oh, my God, I don't want to ever go through that again. About four big yeah. trees in our neighborhood got smacked. And uh, so uh, I well, you did the right thing by you did the right thing by leaving. I hope uh, and pray well, that you know, most look, people had enough common sense to uh, do that. Uh, <laughs> what, I, what I have to do, Coach, because I'm not too old to change my uh, ways, and it was uh, I've been doing it for about eight weeks now of doing my commentary in the beginning, and I also posted on Facebook uh, because this is what the people want it, and uh, I am, I do listen. Uh, I think it's important that we listen to uh, each other. So let me give my commentary. I had hoped to talk about high school tennis, but you might change your mind sure. after this. You might tell me I'm all wet, or uh, you might uh, go into another direction. But uh, here we go. The match results of the 2018 U.S. Open can now be posted, but the results of the 2018 U.S. Open may not be complete for some time. Yes, we can report that the event was the largest sporting event yet. Most would agree the event produced some of the best tennis in recent years, and the athleticism is equal to any of the other sports. But unfortunately, the emergence of a new woman's Grand Slam champion was tarnished by another who thought she was bigger than the game. The women's championship match was one we were all looking forward to, one of the players being a new mother who happened to be the greatest American women tennis player, who was also trying to break Margaret Court's all-time Grand Slam championship win record. Her opponent was a young Bashfulness Japanese players with a nice smile whose quickness and power seem to be capturing the hearts of the many Americans. The match was everything I expected in the first set. During a camera shift to Serena's box, my wife Bobby said, this is why women tennis deserves equal pay, to which I agreed and said, we all need to thank her, pointing to Venus Williams, uh, for this too. Uh, those of you that don't remember, she was a big part of getting Wilmington to come along with the USTA and the US Open. I suspect most viewers were enjoying the match when things began to change. I, like many viewers, became disappointed in the lack of character suddenly being displayed by the former US Open champion. I think Alan Fox, one of our regular mentors on our broadcast, described it best in his introduction of his analysis, which is routinely shared after these big events, and it's uh, viewed and respected by thousands of people. Alan Fox started with this quote, the William Osaka match was rolling swiftly in Osaka's direction when Serena turned it into the Serena Williams show. Osaka was serving harder and better than Serena. She was moving better than Serena. She was hitting the ball better off the baseline. This led to a 6-2 first set win for Osaka. His second paragraph starts, Serena started the second set playing a bit better and was up 3-1 with a service break. Then the trouble started. Serena began missing and double-faulted a couple of times. And I'm going to end his quote there, and if you want to read the rest of it, you can go to his Facebook site and see it there, or you can go to ours because I've shared it too. I, like I said before, admit to being biased. My family is my first priority. After that, it's about developing juniors and the tennis players capable of being champions during life's journey. Admittedly, I was also a USTA umpire at one time and a trainer for the USTA Florida section. I must also confess that I am a believer 
that our Constitution is the foundation of our society as a country of laws and not men. I would also suggest that the USTA and ITF originally recognized the need for rules to keep order, and they followed suit with that. While agreeing with the chair ruling and disappointed in Serena's actions, I am more disappointed in the commentators and the USTA president remarks, which I think lessened what should have been a special moment for Naomi Osaka. I could not help but to think of our FACA training at the USTA national campus last year when we were training the Florida high school tennis coaches. And our keynote coach, Ashley Hobson, uh, the year before that, our keynote coach was uh, uh, our speaker today, our mentor today. So we've been blessed to uh, have great individuals there. But he was telling us about the Davis Cup coaching experience and how character drives talents and our need to have our players take pride in their performances when they lose. The more I listened and the more I felt, what a contradiction of what coaches teach. Ashley also says performance is a behavior. Are we selling the right message or is what the marketers are selling better? I have my own opinion on that. I'd be interested in hearing you, but I think coaching and good playing is important. Thankfully, though, the the quick ITF ITF action brought sanity back to the conversation when they backed the chair. Too bad they and the USTA did not take those same actions when John McEnroe and the other bad boys were doing those things and worse. I think we are all responsible for the misappropriate actions of Serena. Rules are meant to provide an equal playing field and need to be enforced equally. The marketers of the sport may have produced some interest in tennis by promoting the bad boys, but it is is at the cost of athletes and their coaches that's a question I would like to talk about sometime. Might not be today, but uh, I'd like to talk about people who listen, like some of our organizations. If that happens or not, who knows? But anyway, let me end this. Believing that sport helps prepare us for life's journey and that competition brings out the best and worst in us, I need to thank a great competitor. Martina Navratilova for saying what I believe the commentators in the USTA should have simply said to Serena, quote, even if guys do it, it's wrong. That's my commentary. I'm always interested in your response. Uh, I don't think we listen to each other enough, but um, coach, I'm sorry to go longer than usual with my commentary. And I don't know if we stay on topic, uh, but you're the boss. Where do we go from here? Well, John, I think we can build on what you said. uh, And probably I'm going to talk a little bit differently than you have. You've you've made your, you know, choice about, you know, and everybody pretty much is sized up one way or another. I completely agree with Alan Fox, you know, and, 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 the Serena show is something that nobody should do. I mean, but a lot of people have done it. We probably all have done it at one time or another. But I'm going to speak very frankly here and try to talk about the double-edged sword of being a competitor. Uh, and and the, the point is this. I, I, I'm going to start out by saying I absolutely know this without a fact after 47 years of coaching, 41 years in college, coaching competitively for 46 years at one level or another. The entire difference between players that win, players that don't, players that become champions, players that don't, the ones that hate losing more than they love winning become players that win more and they become your champions 
Everybody likes agree. to say, "Hey, look, it's 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 uh, it's all about this one play, one thing or another thing." But that thing that thing that happened was not as simple as just sizing up. Hey, she was a bad sport, or hey, wait a minute, uh, I would have done it different, or hey, wait a minute, yeah, back and rowing those guys acted like jerks too. But let, let me let me talk here a second. Got a few things we're gonna. I'd like to talk about today. I'd like to talk about what you know. Sportsmanship is this. They try to coin it, and I, I frankly I get disgusted at seeing the little bitty wimpy kids that we turn out sometime in tennis. That we say, oh, they're such good sports. They're such good sports, and they lose all the time. You know, I mean, we we don't need we don't need little wimpy kids that don't compete. Or that are hard triers. You know, there's a big difference between competing and being a hard trier. There's a lot of difference between being a competitor and just being somebody that that's that's not what it's about out there. And then it, it drives me crazy how people say, "Oh, just go have fun, just go have fun." You know what? Losing is not fun, especially if you've trained thousands of hours. But here's the point. Yeah, she lost her cool. She did the wrong things. But the biggest thing she did, the biggest thing other people did wrong, was they tried to validate her actions by saying it wasn't wrong. Yeah, they validated, hey, it was the Serena show. It wasn't the other young lady's day. That that was all wrong. The sportsmanship afterwards was all wrong. But losing her stuff, losing her cool, everybody's been there. You hate you, but I want to. I want to make this really point. You must hate losing, and you must love winning if you're going to be a champion. You cannot. You got to hate losing, but you cannot be afraid of it. Now, let, let me let me go further in saying that pain is part of the deal. It's part of any growth. It's part of learning. But. Uh, the great Mott Zeelander, one time I heard him uh, give a talk to a group of kids, and they talked to him about what do you do when it hurts really bad when you lose, and how long should it hurt and all those. And he said, well, your quality of your pain must be more important than the quantity of your pain. But use your pain for gain. We all have heard that before. But use the pain to teach you. When you lose and it really, really hurts, go out and run. Go right back to the court. Have the best practice session of your life. When you win, he said, when you win, never let it go to your head. Let it go to your heart. When you lose, let it go to your heart. Excuse me. Let it go to your head, not to your heart. When you lose, let it go to your head for learning. And let wins go to your heart for confidence. Most people do it the wrong way. That being said, yeah, Serena, she didn't expect what she got out there. That girl was good, and that girl deserved to win. The point is, is she acted badly. She hates losing. Yep, she was a jerk. She was the Serena show. But the bottom line is what made it real bad was the fact that those commentators tried to defend it and all that. She should have just come off and said, you know what, I lost my cool. I showed my butt. When you show your butt, you shouldn't do it. And, you know, I, I did the wrong thing, and daggone it, I hate losing. And people would have run, you know, people would have loved to have that. But, unfortunately, that's not always the way it goes. You, a lot of times when people <clears throat> lose, they try to validate it. <laughs> Even at that level, they make excuses. But nobody's bigger than the game. And this is what I'd like to say It's never the Serena show Roger Federer shows you all the time That what makes him great Is that he never plays like it's the Roger Federer show He honors the game And the game honors him back I would like to say this And I want to say it leading up to What I'd like to talk about today And if you're a high school coach out there listening I've got a diamond to give you today And it wasn't my diamond I learned it in 1999 and I've tried to foster this into our programs for years. But the point is, Roger Federer, what he does is he works for mastery more than he does success. As a young player, he showed his butt all the time. And 
Borg, there was a great thing on, uh, I think it's Showtime Sports or one of those deals you can get on cable. About the, oh, it's the Borg McEnroe, the Borg McEnroe, uh, Borg McEnroe rivalry over the years, but he had, he messed up so bad, I think his father or his coach took his racket, didn't let him play for six months when he was young. Competitors hate losing, but here's the point. It takes time to learn how to put the pain of losing into a constructive way make and make it the quality of the pain more than the, the quality more important than the quantity. You've got to take that pain and use it. But, but listen, out there listening, your kids don't hate losing, they're not going to win very much. If you don't hate losing, you're not going to win very much. That's that simple. When you hate losing, you'll go to the court more than the other person. You'll practice harder. You'll give more. But you have to be, you have to hate losing. So uh, that's my little commentary on Serena. I thought you hit most of it dead on. But the bottom line on the thing is this game is not set up for our comfort. It is not set up to give us what we want. It sets up and it gives us what we deserve and what we need most of the time. Maybe old Serena needed a sort of a tennis discipline there from the tennis gods. The tennis gods said, uh-uh, uh-uh, it ain't you. It ain't you there, girl. It ain't you. It ain't about you. It's about the sport of tennis. If you honor the game, it will honor you. I'm very, very interested to see what Tiger Woods will do now. I think he's ready to have the second half of his career, just like Andre Agassi had the second half of his career. Agassi came out. It was the Andre show at first. All the marketing people did all that. And then the second half of his career, he honored the game. And he's became one of our greatest champions ever because it wasn't the Andre show. It was tennis. And we we give what we can. We honor the game. And guess what? It'll, it'll, it'll honor us back. How do you go about doing that? John, you would need to interrupt there. Or I would, I'd like to go in and Talk about how to no, I just I, I just want to say one thing, and I think um, I my wife had typed me to her Facebook, and Naomi was on a show. Uh, don't ask me what show. I'm not a big TV thing, but anyway, the question was, did she? Uh, you know, how did that affect her? And she said, I really didn't know what was going on. She said, Well, I see you turn your back on that. But why? She said, my coach when I was younger told me to stay in the moment, keep my plan, and forget everything that was going on. And she well, said, you were never interested in that? And she said, yeah, I was. I wanted to turn around a couple of times. I'd be curious to see what happens to this young lady in the future because I think, you know, I don't expect I, a lot right away because backwards. of all the press she's going to get. But I John, think she's no, no, a special young lady. John, John, I look, and, and the thing is, the Asian culture. I coached in for South in Southeast Asia for a little over two years, and the one thing about the Asians is that they look like they're, you know, they don't go backwards much. The work ethic is there. They're they're it's built around humility and honor. Most of the culture is. They work. They do work for mastery more. Western players work for success and hype and contracts and thrill and hot. And, but but the Asian culture, I I think you'll see a lot of champions. Japan's Japan has been working at their tennis a lot of years, probably 50 years now, really really hard. And I think she's not going anywhere. She's going she's going straight to the top. I think and stay there. I, you know, I, so I really too. do believe that. So, yeah. So, yeah, I do too. Um, so, John, Go ahead. I wanted to talk to everybody today. I was thinking about it when you, everybody was talking about this, and I've always thought about American players and what we're lacking. We'll get a group of players that come up, and if you want, look at all of the backgrounds of our players that have come up, they usually came up in a group because their peers were rising. We had that great group of Sampras and Agassi and Courier and Chang and those those players 
that all came up. Uh, I think in the younger years, Wheaton, John Falbo, and the other players were in that group, and they all came up together through rivalries. And I've always thought, why after these rivalries are over, doesn't it continue? Doesn't it continue? And it's the same thing now. We have a great group of juniors, the Francis Tiafo, not juniors. She was, I call them juniors. But we had a great group about three or four years that were all juniors, Tiafo and the Tommy Pauls and Taylor Fritzes. There's a great group of players coming up there, but they, the rivalries are what brought the players up. Now, why doesn't that feed off of something? Why do we have to wait for another 15 years for a group. Well, I really believe that we're missing out on an opportunity by not having an effective mentoring program. And let me go on to say that a mentoring program, most in the U.S., we do two-tier mentoring programs. We have a teacher, we have a student. What ends up happening is the teacher gets grinded down and gets depleted and, and they get tired of giving, 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 and the student becomes like a pigeon waiting for the next handout. And we have these two-tier mentoring pro- programs work that way. I'd like to introduce to everybody out there a program called the Serve It Back program. I've worked on this program since 1999, and I've got to give the credit. I went to a Promise Keepers meeting with my son in Atlanta, Georgia, and there were 40,000 men, 40,000 men and their sons at this fantastic program that Bill McCartney used to do. He was the football coach at uh, Colorado, and he started a group called Promise Keepers, and they had a book out called The Seven Promises of a Promise Keeper. But basically his move was to instill in men or reinstill in men the need to be to step up and be leaders in their family, leaders in their community, and leaders with others. So when when they had this was the most moving thing I've ever seen. Uh, this, these promise keeper meetings were fantastic, and I don't know how they fizzled out or why they fizzled out. I thought I think they'd caught a lot of uh, pro, a lot of grief from. The, uh, the left in, in, in that, you know, they were saying it was sexist and this or that, but it was men, 40,000 men getting together and listening to the message, but talking about what they need to do as being leaders and being mentors to, to other people and to, uh, to, to younger people. So it was introduced that evening or that, that afternoon, actually, an afternoon meeting, and this is the first time I ever heard it, they introduced a three-tier mentoring program. So this is the way it works, and you'll catch, you'll catch on to where I'm going with this for tennis. So everybody, you, myself, everyone in our lives should pick out and find a, a mentor for us. Somebody who's a role model. Somebody that's two years ahead, five years ahead, ten years ahead, but someone that has already been there, done that, and and someone we respect, someone we admire, and we need to approach them and just say, listen, I need your help. You know, I I feel myself, and I think, you ever hear the thing where everybody in the world believes, we all think that everyone in the world would want to be like me if only they knew how. We only feel ourselves most of the time like Serena now feels like she was justified in her actions. She's trying to validate it by getting people sized up on her side of the ball. And, and, you know, and that just becomes something that's ridiculous because we're trying to validate something. We often try to validate something that is darn right wrong. So the point is, all of us need someone where we can go to and say, you know what, listen, I, I only feel myself. I don't see myself. I need some accurate eyes. Will you do that for me? I give you permission to hold me. You know, I, I need to need to learn what the example is from you. Also, we need someone ahead of us, and then we need someone below us 
we need to also mentor someone else. We need to be a mentor to someone else. Most of us who have been in coaching or teaching for so many years, we automatically have a built-in team or built-in group of people that youngsters that we mentor. And so, therefore, we become responsible for teaching them the right way. Just a little short note, side note, I've always told people that if you've got a bad kid, put him in charge of somebody and tell him, be a teacher here on the team. We want you to be a leader here. They almost always step up. I have never seen a bad kid in a team situation. They want attention. Most of the time they step up and they do the right thing. Sure, you have to monitor it, but the bottom line on the thing is they need. we all need someone below us. The last group of the three-tier mentoring program, so, again, you have someone above you, someone below you, but the third group are your peer group that are your peer group of responsibility to others where they hold you accountable and you hold them accountable. So what we have then is someone who is our equal, and I have three, three coaches that, well, two coaches and one businessman in Miami, Florida, actually. He's a real estate guy in Florida. He's always been a, I call him Barney because he's my Barnabas. But you need someone that holds you accountable, and you need to, as a friend, you need to say, look, look, Joe, look, Bill, I I need your help here. I need accountability. I'm giving you permission to go past just simple cliches and facts or opinion. I need you to go deeper. You give me your opinion, and I need, I need your feelings. I need, need deeper than that. You need to tell me what you see. I promise you I will stay your friend. So in essence, we everyone has a Peter, the teacher. Everyone has a a uh, Timothy, the student, everyone has a Barnabas, the peer. So in biblical terms, you have a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy in your life. Now let's shift forward to the sport of tennis. So right away in 99 when I heard about this, John, I said, you know, for tennis this is exactly what we are lacking in the United States of America. You know, I mean, in, in Spain they do it very well. They did it well in Sweden after Borg. They had a whole group of players coming along because they mentored each other. In Australia, that's what how Harry Hopman developed great, great teams for years after years after years. The older ones trained the younger ones. In any situation that is going to work, you need older leadership and guidance. You need... The, but you also need the accountability of peers. And my, my son just finished med school. But he said, you know, he, he said, Dad, that's a lot like what you learn. You, you learn it, someone teaches you, then you learn to, you teach it yourself, you learn it, you, then you do it, then you teach it yourself, and then you need the accountability of others around you. And that's the, that is the teaching situation we need. So fast forward after that, what's been 10 10 years ago almost already. So after Thailand, I went and worked in uh, College Park, Maryland. In College Park, Maryland, we had about 70 very good players there. And we had eight very, very good seniors in high school. So here's what we did, coaches. We got those eight top players. I'm saying it was a Mitchell Frank. It was a Dennis Kudla. It was a Junior R. It was it was eight very good players that ended up going to D1 colleges. So what we did was we had a draft. We put all the kids' names on a blackboard, and we went in there, and we drew lots to see who could draw first. So Kudla... He drew uh, the next level was a 16-year-old kid. He got the pick. Then the next guy drew a 16-year-old player. So they all those 18-year-olds had a 16-year-old under them. Then I reversed the order so Kudla maybe went last in the next draw. And they'd go first and then last. And so we, we would reverse the draw, and we had trades, and we had all this like we drafted players. So we came out of that room. With one 18-year-old that was a top player, we had a 16-year-old, a 15-year-old, 
a 14-year-old, a 12-year-old, an 11-year-old. And guess what? Francis Tiafo was a 12-year-old at that time, and he was on somebody's team. And I remember that, and, and here's what we did. We, had, we made them into teams, and it became competitive. We, we gave points based on academics. We gave points based on <laughs> tournaments, matches won, and then we had some wild card points. But anyhow, we made it competitive. We made it competitive. Each person had a responsibility to learn from the person above, to teach someone below, and then hold each other accountable with your peer group. The peer groups, like Francis' group, the 12-year-olds, they started working together. They started watching each other's matches. The older kids would come over and, hey, how are you doing at this tournament, Francis? How, how's it going here? And then the older uh, Mitchell Frank would pop in and say, Francis, you want to hit 30 minutes today? Could you imagine? Could you imagine how great it would be if we had a Serena Williams or a uh, Madison Keys, and maybe they do this, I don't know, but they would call a college kid and say, hey, you know what, your game looks great. Hey, would you like to come spend Christmas at my place, and I'll, I'll teach you about the tour a little bit. And now, but in a way now, wait a minute, to pay back for this, you've got to spend some time with that 18-year-old girl there at your club. You've got to do the same thing. And by the way, she has to pay spend time with someone below. So the point is, three-tier mentoring programs work. The Serve It Back program would work. It would work fantastic. Everyone shies away from it. I approached a very big guy in the USTA back then. The guy just sort of blew me off. And the bottom line on the thing was, this would work. And everyone sort of poo-poos it because they say, oh, players are too selfish. Players are too selfish. Well, well, wonder why they are. Are they really, or is it just their behavior? What? Wait a minute. Is Serena a, really a jerk? Here's the question. Is Serena a jerk, or is she a good person acting like a jerk? Well, I'd, I'd say most tennis players are good people acting like jerks, and if they act like jerks enough times, they became, become a jerk. So, John... The long story short on this um, is that we need some serve it back programs. It could, you could start in high school. We did a pilot program in Asheboro, North Carolina, with the great Kent Kinnear when he was there working probably, oh gosh, 12, 15 years ago. They had a great program through the YMCA there. It met, it mentored, and whenever that happens, the long-term benefits are just unbelievable. They're unbelievable. People remember always the mentoring they got from an older player. People remember always what it meant for someone to help them out. Then they become inclined to, to and we hate, oh, give it back, pay back the game and all this. Well, you gotta have a, you've got to be trained to do that stuff. You know what? Serena needs to be maybe trained with this servant back program. You know, I, I, you know, hey, she acted good person acting like a jerk. Well, I think we've all been there. You know, I mean, you know? I think probably on I, how many technical fouls did you get, Coach Denise, when you were when you were coaching <laughs> basketball? Did you get a few. Te- hey, no, no, no. Moment of truth. Did you get a few technical fouls? Huh? Yep. Coach. Many. Yep. Yeah, you did. And uh, Coach Creasy's gotten a few technical fouls. I got thrown out of my only time I ever coached one season in church league. I got thrown out of a church league program. I got to tell this story here. I've got to tell this quick story. So I'm coaching 14 and under church league kids. We had this one kid never showed up to practice. So I, I wouldn't put him in the game. Second half, the referee comes over and says, coach, you got to play everybody a half. I said, he ain't going in. And he goes, Coach, got to play. I said, he ain't been coming to practice, ref. I'm not, not going in. He's a sorry kid. And, and he goes, Coach, got to put him in. I said, ah, he's injured. Slapped a technical <laughs> foul on me, threw me out of the game, and one of these parents came in and said, ah, get rid of Creasy's man-to-man. And I wouldn't let the kid play man, uh, zone at all, never. I made him play man-to-man defense. 
So the bottom line, <laughs> I got thrown out of my I'll give you one worse than that, Coach. I had my son was six years old, maybe seven. I think he was pretty sure he was six. And he sat on the bench next to me. And I always, I took a lot of technicals, but I always believed a good coach, when you saw your team could get in trouble, I'd rather have the technical on me than one of my kids go out. So I'm in one of those situations. And, of course, the referee knew what I was doing. And I was trying to get a technical, and he's not calling the technical. And finally I did something. And my son, who was six years old, stands up and he gives the technical sign. He said, now that's a technical no matter where you are. <laughs> and the referee had no choice but to call technical on me. <laughs> so, well, we've all been there. So you yep. a good person doing a bad thing, or are you a bad person that just lived up to your name? Huh? Right, and, that, and that's why I said there, my huh? argument, I had no argument with Serena because – the competition, I think that's what makes athletes better able to adapt to life's journey is because they're going to come through a time when they're going to act like a church. The competition is going to take the best of you out of you, and it's going to take the worst out of you. But you should learn from it. You don't make excuses of it. And my problem is well, the commentators making excuses. That's what kills no. me, not Serena. What? No, 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 no. They, they need to learn, too. Those guys need to learn. See, everybody does politics. You're either on this side or the other side. Think of how many people don't really say what they believe because they're afraid of how it might be taken. They stick their finger up in the wind and see which way the wind is blowing. Well, the commentators buckled. Commentators buckled. The ITF did the right thing by sticking by the referee. Had they not stuck by the referee, it would be a laughable mess. They had to do that. You know what, Serena? Learn your lesson. We've all been there. I've got kicked off of teams before, thrown out of ball games, gotten technical fouls. Everybody has been there. But when you show your rear end, you better apologize for it and say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Five words. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Serena, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Guess what? Coach Creasy, I was wrong. I'm sorry. There's just when, when people forgive you, nobody, nobody's perfect, you know. But the uh, John. Uh, well, getting back to your mentor program, uh, Coach. Getting back to your mentor program, I love that. And the year before, uh, Ashley Hobson was uh, mentor coach. You were there, and you and I talked about this. And shortly after that. Uh, Ashley was on the broadcast, and we got into discussion, and he says in Europe that's what they did. And my question is, why doesn't the USTA pick out coaches in each section and go? And I had a situation, and this is why I said we're all to blame for this in young coaches. And at high school, I believe instead of being looked at as recreation, it should be looked at competition. Ashley Hobson said – he agreed to take a high school coach at each one of his summer programs. I think it was the next day or two days later, Ed Kraft Kras calls me. He's gonna, he would do the same thing and mentor somebody, come to one of the camps. I'm not going to name all the other people because I know I'll forget somebody and then I'll be in trouble. But we had camps lined up on the East Coast that we had some of the great coaches willing to sit there and have them come in and mentor. They would have to work and everything. They would, they, you know, they weren't well, going to get paid. But, you know, well, I thought I was going to have something to give to the USTA to show what they should be doing. And the truth of the matter is these high school coaches, I mean, it was a complete failure. I mean, I, I've got to admit no, no, that no, 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 no. Uh, we didn't get John, the people me, out there. Well, these young coaches, I just, I, and I know time is precious, but. Well, I know where you're going with this, and we all wonder why someone wouldn't take that opportunity. But, but it's just simple. Everybody in the United States is afraid to say, well, there's a saying, people are usually down on what they're not up to. No one likes to admit what you're weak at. About a month ago, I drove up to Virginia Beach and spent two days with 
Daryl Cummins up there, Cummins Athletic, Daryl Cummins, yeah. who's coached for about 25 years. You know what? He's brilliant at what he does with technology, the Internet, and all that stuff to learn some of that stuff. I've got to be – I've got these ideas. I've got my writing and all those things. But, my golly, the world's changing so fast. I've got to learn things. We all have to learn, but most of us, including myself, we're usually down on what we're not up to. So the point being, John, is that coaches don't want to show that, hey, I'm not proficient here. So they they go to all kinds of lengths to try to show, you know what, I really am good at what I do. You know what, I really can do. I can outdo you. My, You know, my uh, – my toy's better than your toy. You know, I'm I'm bigger than you. I'm I'm stronger than you. I can do this. Hey, wait a minute. I'm relevant. I'm relevant. We're we're always searching for one-upsmanship in the United States, and just instead of saying, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, I got to get better at this. And then so we we get these courses that we take then to try to get some kind of a paper to paper degree on something that doesn't mean anything and. We try, we try to get credentials, but the bottom line on the thing is that, you know, there, there is brilliance, and then there's brilliance, and there's, there's experience, and, and people need to ask for help on things. But, you know, again, we're all in that, uh, that battle to try to do the one-upsmanship. You know, so, you know, the, the, here's, here's the thing I did want to bring up here uh, a second. In every culture but ours, they we they do a uh, they do a lot of more mentoring. Maybe it's because the United States is so big and we're just competitive by nature. But um, the the thing is, we really need to try to search out a person who teaches us, someone we teach. But the accountability to the Barnabases or the friends is where we must go if we're to honor this. We have to start from a position of trying to work for mastery, not success in our professions. You know, Lou Holtz is a very good motivational speaker. For years as a football coach, I watched him and listened to whenever he gave a talk, and he still got him some good ones out there. But he, oh, said, yeah. there, he said, he this is the way I started talks that, that I heard two or three times. The first thing that a person will ask when they meet somebody, in your own mind, you'll say to yourself, can I trust this person? Can I trust this person? <clears throat> and in, in a person of depth will read into someone and find out if they are self-centered or others-centered, if they honor the game or if they are working for mastery or not. Now, I added to what Lou Holtz said. I said also, they also say, do they care about other people or themselves more? Are they givers or are they takers, I think? Is this person also a man or a woman of commitment? Are they a fly-by-nighter? Are they, are they just basically a hanger-out or a pretender? Are they a pretender or a contender? These are questions we ask ourselves about other people when we meet. In asking these about from other people that we meet, John, I think we also ask ourselves about ourselves a lot. You know, can someone trust me? Can, can someone really, really trust me? Can I answer that? Do, do I care about others? Do I shine the light on others or do I shine the light on myself? Which do I do more? Am I a person of commitment or am I a pretender? Am I a poser? Am I a cafeteria competitor, someone who picks and chooses when they want to give their best? Or am I a person that gives my very best all the time? So I think the self-searching happens, but again, John, look, if this we're all works in progress, we all are working toward doing the best we can do, but here's the point, we, we all have to still learn a whole bunch. You know what? Serena's not done yet. She's got to learn a lot. Let's see what she does. Let's see if she becomes like Andre Agassi. I used to get sick watching those Rebel commercials on, you know, remember the camera commercials with Andre with the long hair and 
the showboat <laughs> crap. Oh, I used to go, oh, my God, what are we doing to tennis? This is disgusting. What are we doing? Marketing, marketing, marketing. So he was probably my least favorite pro out there at that part of his career. Then when he came back after he got, you know, stuff together, the second career, oh, my gosh, absolutely went from worst to my first. Loved watching him play, showed his videos, tapes sometimes, or video clips of his to coaches, to other players, about his shot selection, his body language, all those things. Tiger Woods, I could not stand Tiger Woods in his first career. He had a meltdown. Almost everybody was, well, you could see that coming. Hey, you, you know what? I don't see the cocky, arrogant, it's the Tiger show now. I see, I see a guy out there that's honoring the game and understanding that he's not the only pebble on the beach. He's understanding that the high horse is a lonely perch. So I think that sports does this to us. It will always bring us to the place where we better learn and we better become a go-giver instead of a go-getter. We better be out there trying to honor the game instead of putting the spotlight on ourselves. Um, And so, anyhow, to the high school coaches out there, my message to you is, daggone it, college coaches, high school coaches, junior coaches, and we're lacking in people. Everybody's trying to climb to the top by stomping on other people or putting other people's. You never make your own light shine brighter by trying to put other people's out. You must serve the game or the game will cut you to bits. You know what, Serena? (laughs) With Serena, the game cut her up and made her not look very good out there on international TV. But you know what? The next time out, she could turn the whole thing around. You know what? If she just basically said, I was wrong, I'm sorry, I was wrong, I'm sorry, everybody, like Phil Mickelson thing about, what was it, six months ago, do you remember? He hit a putt, I forget it was U.S. Open, maybe the, the greens were so crazy. And he went up and he stopped the ball and hit it back. He broke a big rule. He basically said, hey, man, I just lost it there. <laughs> Everybody knows that, though. Everybody knows tennis is crazy. And tennis get, tennis cuts you up sometimes. Everybody knows golf is crazy. I get sick to my stomach when I see some of these players, whether it's NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, whenever they think they're bigger than the game. I love to take my son to professional baseball games when the players are busting it and they make these tremendous plays by giving everything they have. But the minute somebody gets cocky, I've wasted my money. You know, nobody cares about the me show, you know. So, well, John Denise, we're going to have to talk basketball one of these days, you know. I'd I'd like to do that, too. Well, I tell you, we might wind up talking baseball. See, this is my point that I was trying to make. And one of the things, and I'm late getting into the 21st century, too, and I try to answer. I'm probably, I've gotten on the Facebook maybe too much now because I, I do believe in answering questions or a lot of people are saying, Where, what does Coach Denise think about this? Because I do belong to a lot of coaching organizations, some of them, that I'm even allowed to bring other people in, but reminded that after 5,000, they got to pay something. I, I don't understand all that, but I don't like to get into we're shouting matches. I am not capable of getting into where we get derogatory or swearing at people, but I do think that we have to listen to each other. I think, I know I talked about the mentors, and, you know, promoting the bad boys of tennis, did that do some good? It probably did. But maybe if we got those, uh, uh, the coaches together uh, with the marketers, uh, maybe we could come up with something better. Because I, the game has to be competing. And, and I still ask the same question. Baseball now is going through colleges. And that never used to be before. Um, basketball is going through colleges. The only sport that's not going through college is tennis, and that's because the USTA is looking at it as recreational 
and not competitive. And there's nothing wrong with recreation tennis. I mean, and they do a great job of that. But how about, and I don't mean me, I mean real coaches like you and Ashley and Alex. I mean, how about getting some of these people in and talk about the uh, coaching aspect of it so we can keep producing athletes? Because we're going to be losing the athletes to baseball and other sports. I mean, you don't think soccer is coming to America? Or I don't think so. Ah, oh, it is. Look at on the women's side. What what happened to the women's well, champion? Who's won, who's won the soccer championship? The American women. And why? Did, where did they come from? They came from the American colleges. I mean, think about that. Think you about might, that. You might have a point. You might have a point, John. The bottom line on the thing, though, is, uh, you know, you made a, you made a good point that, look, it, I, I just think that our, our organizations, our associate, our bureaucracies out there operate, they drive 55 to 70 percent of the line. They're scared to death. They are scared to death that uh, it's all gone, going a little too high on the mountain and taking risks. They are scared to death of that. So they play it safe all the time, you know, and uh, they need to get some new, new blood and some of the stuff. I mean, this Daryl Cummins guy is really a guy that's on the edge, on the cutting edge, out there he stays on the cutting edge. Some of these people, they, we need some fresh ideas, but we're not going to do anything without the rivalries and the incentives of competition. I think we, we set up these sort of very – average programs and we try to try to talk people through them and we set something up but you've got to inspire people people are not inspired by lukewarm people are not inspired by 55 to 70 miles uh, and uh, look the Serena thing got everybody talking about it then and for last we're talking about it now so people yeah. we need some fire in the tank and it's okay She'll get past that. She'll pay her fine. Move on. Hey, you know Tom. Oh, Tom Brady figured out that you know he's not bigger than NFL. You know what? Serena's not bigger than tennis. Hey, you know what? LeBron's not bigger than basketball. He thinks he is, but he's not. And we also he's we not. also move things. We have the officials talking about getting a union now to protect themselves against the Serenas. Uh, How about if we all just well, did our job? You don't need a union out there. You need to no, do the job. If the rule wimpy. says oh, that that's, that's a violation, that's then you call it. It's oh, either well, a violation well, or it's not. John, that's so wimpy. I can't believe they need a union. My God, they got everything but. Hey, <laughs> you know, listen, refereeing out there, you've been a referee, but my golly, I got some ideas on refereeing. You know, we need to, we need to, we didn't used to have to have referees. You know, we need to decode. And when there's a thing, uh, you know, uh, simply enforce it. That's all. But don't be afraid to enforce it because the organization is going to jump on you. Coach, we've gone through a whole show again already. I thank you for uh, time. I would, this is what I'm talking about when I tell. Some of you, when people say, why do I have some mentors on and some people I have guests? A mentor is somebody that gives the most precious thing they have, and that's the time. And I respect that, and that's why I say I have many well, mentors fun. on the show, hey, but if on. somebody's trying to sell something, I'd, I have a guest. Next week I have a guest on, and he's a, and I and he, quite frankly, Javier, I think his last name is Palenci. I think oh, you've had him on one time. He's, he's not happy with the USTA, but what I, the reason I'm going to have him on the show is he does isn't just complaining. He has ideas, and he's willing to talk about his ideas. And I think that's what we have to do. We have to listen. I, I don't know where my father got it from, but years ago, he said, you know, he was a quiet man. And I say, Dad, you know, and my mother, the Italian mothers were always more voicious. When, you know, Dad, you're never saying anything. And he says, when you're talking, you're telling people what you know. When you're listening, you can learn some things. And I realized a while later he was telling me to shut up and listen. 
But I think it's good advice. We have to listen to each other. Let's not just dictate and and tell each other what we have to do. Let's listen. Coach, thank you. Have a safe trip back. And uh, I look forward to talking with you again next month. Bye now. Tell your friends that they can listen to Black Talk Radio at their own convenience. Bye-bye. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 